Welcome, Welcome to Mental Health Matters, the podcast about all things recovery and mental health. I'm Anne and I'm here with Steve today. Hi, Steve. Hello. Thank you. And we've got a special guest with us today, Valerie. So hi, Valerie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Our sort of topic of conversation today really is going to focus on creativity and sort of thinking about um, some of your experiences with that today. So thank you for joining us. To introduce you, you are an expert by experience, aren't you? Could you tell us a little bit more about what being an expert by experience means to you? So, yeah, so I got involved with the recovery college when I came out of hospital about four years ago and I started going to sessions and getting involved from that perspective and then as I moved through uh, recovery I found that as I was I was capable of doing more and wanting to do more and started getting involved with actually teaching um, and developing sessions and getting involved with projects and I think for me on a fundamental level it's being able to use what I've been through to help potentially help other people or to contribute something, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm always amazed, you know, like when, well, particularly, you know, when we have our forum, you know, the Recovery for All forum, but also at Recovery College sessions. And sometimes people declare and say, oh, you know, I have this dreadful anxiety and I find it really hard to attend things or to join in things. And I, I kind of listen to them and I just think, but you're doing brilliantly. And, um, I think we're quite hard on ourselves sometimes, I think, in terms of what we allow ourselves to do. But it's been fabulous that you've managed to attend Recovery College and you've got something out of it and you've clearly given something back as well. So, yeah, well done to you. Yeah. And I think that it's a process, isn't it? So when you kind of first came to Recovery College and things, you were, I'm assuming, and you can correct me, like coming for yourself and coming for your own um, sort of development to learn things. But then it's, it sounds like it's grown for you Valerie? Yeah that's right I think well I mean to me for me to be honest I didn't have many options <laughs> I'm not saying it was like <laughs> you ended up with us <laughs> oh, um, but, but I was discharged because they couldn't they didn't know what to do with me basically because I didn't take any boxes so I was very much discharged kind of on my own really and I remember a few days before one of the nurses on the ward just mentioned recovery college to me and I've and I've thought about that over the years and just how significant that was for me and you know just how many doors just that one thing from that nurse has actually opened for me and um, and I think I mean to be honest I don't actually know why I really why I I thought oh, I'll go to recovery college it was just because I had these options which were limited options so it was very much a case of right I'll go for that I'll go for that I'll see what what happens I'll see what comes of it and I came I came down to placing Mosley you know this is when we were all able to get together without you know being fearful of our own lives basically <laughs> and and you were all such a friendly bunch uh, and it was such a kind of I mean I'm not a social butterfly but it was such a community sort of supportive feel you know it felt like such a safe space really that you know I thought hang on a minute this is this there could be something here you know and I pursued it and I was right because there obviously is something you know quite significant there that you're all doing that, that's the purpose isn't it and really you know it's around creating um, a kind of opportunity or environment for people to like come together and have some sense of inclusion really and stop you know the kind of isolation that we've all had to endure over the last couple of years because of Covid and what have you but that, that, that was the idea. It, it, the emphasis is really on the coming together. 
yeah. much more so than the learning and the content. And I think that's what people always got out of it, particularly at the Ufcom, because it's quite a nice setting, isn't it? And, you know, if you live nearby and it's walkable, and you could, you, do you remember you could grab a cup of coffee and sit in the grounds or whatever? So, yeah, that's a really big aspect. So I'm glad you got something out of that. And really lovely to hear about like your sort of first impressions of it as well, because that's actually making me quite nostalgic for kind of how mm. things used to be before COVID and the pandemic and things. And it was really kind of, you know, it's nice to hear that that's your experience, because that's what, like you say, Steve, that's what we wanted to create, isn't it? That people feel welcome, they feel included. It, it will create anxiety walking into somewhere new, but to immediately put you at ease, I think is kind of, you know, that's really lovely to hear because that's that's what we aim to do. It. And we have tried to replicate that online. And I do think that that does happen in the sessions online, but it is different being in a space with people, isn't it? And sitting in a room together and connecting in that way. So, yeah, and like you say, Valerie, it sounds like your openness, like you didn't really know what to expect, but kind of being open and curious to, like you say, limited options, but actually it's kind of, it worked out for you because you were open to giving it a try yeah yeah that's right um and I think you know it it, it kind of there were a lot of spin-offs from it for me as well in all sorts of ways you know so much has come from that and just that like first time that I went there really you know because um, there's so many connections that come from recovery college aren't there and also I think it there are things there that that you can discover <laughs> you know uh, and I think for me you know especially over the last kind of 12 15 months I just wanted to do more. I just wanted to put myself out there more. And, you know, I think if you if you you're in that position and you're able to do that, then, you know, there's gold there that you might not be aware of, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's kind of the process of you don't know what's to come. And that can be quite daunting, can't it? And scary. But equally, you're in that sort of space where there's opportunities, like you said, Steve, there's the, there's potential for these opportunities. The more that you kind of connect with other people, you don't necessarily know a thread might go in one direction or it might go somewhere else. And it's drawing on sort of the things that you're interested in as well. And those things then start to grow, don't they? Yeah, I think for me as well, one thing that I certainly took from there was hope. You know, it was like, you know, you mentioned potential. And I think those two are so linked, aren't they? You know, and I was I was in still in quite a dark place, really. You know, and I was kind of, God, you know, there's, God, I feel like that, you know, there's some hope. I'm not, you know, I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was or, or, or how it was. But, you know, there was hope and there was potential. And that was kind of, that was, you know, that sort of embedded itself kind of thing in my head, you know, and it was like, ah, now it's there, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to stick with this. Mm. I think when something has that kind of impression on you, and I think also when you're in a vulnerable place like that, things can have more band impressions on you as well, can't they? Mm. I mean, we were talking recently and we've been talking about it for, again, for quite a while because of the COVID restrictions and, and you know, what's been going on. Yeah, we, I mean, we've even sp- spoken recently, haven't we, about you maybe co-facilitating um, another session because you co-facilitate a session uh, on mindfulness, don't you, at Recovery College. So you've gone from being, you know, a kind of... Um, I don't really like to use the term learner, but a participant. So moving on to facilitating and more recently talking about, uh, you know, co-producing a session on music as broad as it is. So it, 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 it does create opportunity or it has done for you in some ways, isn't it? I think. Yeah, for sure. We've done, I think, how many? Have we done three? Three or four, maybe, mindfulness sessions? And I, I mean, I really love doing those sessions. But yeah, we're looking to do we're looking to develop a music session, which I think could be well. I mean, that could be really interesting and potentially, you know, yeah, it'd be really significant for a lot of people. I think 
really surprised that there's no mention of music in recovery college. I remember, for, you know, all the time I've been there, there's never been a, a music session. And for me, you know, one of the main things that's been constant all through my life, really, but most significantly in recovery, has been music. But to think that that couldn't be there is just like, nah, that's, you know, <laughs> that couldn't be <laughs> Yeah, we need to make that happen, don't we? We need to kind of get moving forward. And like, I think the the sort of I suppose the benefit of how we work in our recovery college, and it is different to to how other areas do it, is ours has grown quite organically. And generally, it's come from people like you, Valerie, kind of having ideas, or they've got their own passions, they've got their own sort of you know hobbies or interests and things that have helped them in their own personal recovery to say well how can we make this happen how can we develop this course so a lot of the sessions that we do have available have come from that in in that organic process rather than us as the recovery team setting the agenda so to speak sort of thing and I think it is again about you know those opportunities are there and how do we co-produce something in that sense um so yeah so definitely kind of drawing on your passion in that sense because I say you know there'll be other people who either have think that or feel that music is part of their own recovery process or they've never really considered it and it opens that up to them in that space and they can kind of explore it in and like what you said earlier about you felt safe in recovery college you felt that that process of um, learning with other people and coming together in in that way so yeah so can you tell us a little bit more you mentioned that music has been throughout your life you said a little bit more about kind of your passion around music yeah so I, I learned quite a few instruments when I was a kid or maybe I was paid to learn instruments when I was a kid. <laughs> I can't remember, it's not quite clear. So, yes, I learned violin, cornet piano. And then I had quite a long spell where I didn't really play much music. I think in my, in my 20s and in my sort of early 30s, I was going through a lot of stuff like relationship stuff and health stuff. And music was still there, you know, but it was very much kind of, it was more it was more there in a passive context because I listened to it, you know, and I might have gone out to gigs, but I wasn't really involved in it as much. And then, yeah, I started playing guitar again and I did start singing again. And it's only, I guess, in the last three or four years when things have opened up a lot more for me that I've actually felt like I felt like I've actually wanted to do it <laughs> you know and it's felt like a natural like development I guess and also I think because you know I mean all the when you're in a mental hole I think you know you're very much you can be very much functional can't you and then you you build on that you build on that and then other things become more more important and more relevant and you're able to cope with more stuff you know, I see it as quite significant. Actually, this is something that I feel like I can cope with and I want to do. You know, I've got space for it. But, yeah, I mean, it works on so many levels to me. You know, writing music and, and writing words uh, and playing it is... I've not actively sort of sought to replace other behaviours with it because that's not really something that I find like a productive strategy really you know I don't want to replace self-destructive behaviors with something else on a kind of you know exchange level because for me I don't think that would work but for me you know I just find I've just I've just gravitated more towards towards doing it more and found that actually it really helps me in emotional regulation and expression and oh if I'm feeling really wired you know it can just bring everything down and I think it's it's really good to help me connect with my body as well because I I don't even though I teach mindfulness the irony of it is I don't I find it really hard to be ground to feel grounded and actually to feel like you know in my body and in the physical world and I think 
when I'm playing music or when, I, or when I've got guitar or when I'm singing, you know, it, it's, it's a physical thing, you know, so that really helps me to kind of connect with myself and everything else. So it sounds like it's become, like you say, it's always been in your life, but it's more so recently in the last sort of three years, it's become a big part of what you, you know, a big part of what you're doing and things. So um, do you feel like obviously the last two years we've been living in a pandemic and we've been isolated and kind of have a lot of restrictions and things. Do you feel like that affected your creativity in any particular way? Yeah, it did. I think my creativity tends to flourish <laughs> during moments of darkness you know, or, or moments of significant emotion, really. And I think the sort of emotional cocktail that the pandemic threw up, especially when I was, you know, I was doing okay at the beginning, but I was still struggling with some stuff. And yeah, it did because it was a very, it was a very insular thing, wasn't it? You know, the, lo- the whole lockdown thing, and it was very sudden and very alien. And, you know, there was a lot of fear around which your anxiety can feed on potentially. So I think for me, yeah, I did write more. I mean, for sure I did. And I found it, I think I, I during the pandemic, I actively went there to actually, not hide, but kind of, I guess for refuge maybe, you know, to, I'm going to write this song and it's about this thing which is X, you know, and it was, it was like a little world, you know. I remember um, a lot of people like really kind of, emerged didn't they and made their presence really kind of prolific almost you know social platforms like facebook and instagram and you know i'd see people that i knew it was like very able musicians like just performing in the living room because they missed that connection of just playing music for somebody so much and i was always amazed at the the amount of following and, and comments that people would get because obviously as an audience people missed you know seen people perform music didn't they so that kind of become a new way for people to, to to present themselves i think musically which was quite unique i hope that doesn't stop because i i still find it really inspiring you know when you see somebody at home just performing something um it's quite remarkable but um it seems like it's a real constant with you valerie as if it's something that's always there whereas like my relationship with music is very love and hate you know as I said earlier, you know, before we started chatting, probably haven't lifted the lid on my piano for about two months. And I don't even know why that is, because it's a bit like going for a run or brushing your teeth. It's you're never going to regret doing it, do you know. So I don't understand what stops me from doing it. But it's um, it's almost as if you've got to be in the right space mentally to be able to do it. That's that's how it seems. I think I mean, I remember reading. I mean, I write as well. I remember reading, you know, somebody said about somebody asking an author about writing and how they write and how much they write. And their advice is, well, yeah, you just set yourself a goal every day and just write. And even if it's rubbish, at least you've written. That's kind of how you could approach it is, well, you don't really need to know why you're not playing or why you are playing. Just play or don't play. <laughs> Things, <you know. laughs> but certainly, yeah, you know, lift the lid and see what happens. Because I think sometimes if you've got no preconceptions, you're not sitting down there to write a song or you're not sitting down there to you know to play a whatever your favorite piece of you know piano piece is you're almost not putting that pressure on yourself you're just taking a bit of time to just kind of be curious and see what happens really and I think sometimes you know those sort of informal jam or whatever you want to call them sessions are when you stumble upon things which sound really good I mean I'm not I'm not a technical guitarist in 
in any way at all. And I am having lessons, but a lot of the stuff that I that I found sounds really good is stuff that isn't even like a thing that's taught. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. oh, this sounds good. What is it? I don't know, but it sounds good, you know. Yeah. So Yeah. And, and it's, I suppose it sounds like it's that's I'm not a musician, but that's basically kind of that creativity just kind of comes out of you in that sense. And it's just, I suppose, allowing that space to be there, isn't it? Rather than trying to force something. Yeah. You know, and just trying to kind of let be whatever, whatever is really. If you don't feel like it, you know, don't, <laughs> don't push it. Mm. You know, or don't kind of, you know, slate yourself for not being able to do this or that. I mean, we, you know, when we talk about recovery, we talk about self-care as being fundamental. So I think that underlies it all, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Allowing yourself to just, you know, if you want to do it, what you said you either do it or you don't. And there's no pressure there and not judging yourself for um, I don't feel like doing it today or, you know. But I suppose if, if it's a recurring thing that you sort of thinking about, like you say, Steve is there. It's visual. Um, and I've got this with kind of like yoga at the moment. I was going through a really good space where I was doing it every day and I felt really good. And then I've stopped doing it. And I think about it every day, but I'm still I'm still with you with your piano. I'm still not quite there to just get my mat out and and do it. But I know that it's there and I know that if I do I'm not going to regret doing it. It's just I suppose it's not just this, but it kind of does link to motivation, doesn't it? Around there's other things potentially going on and there's other factors. But I think I liked what you said, Fanny, about not overthinking it. We don't need to overthink the reasons why. It's just that's there and I'm not not doing that at the moment. And hopefully there's other things that you are interested in that you're doing that you can engage with. I think, you know, if you start overthinking creative processes, you know, then it takes away their essence, doesn't it? You know, they become they become a kind of a logical thought process and meant to be kind of fluent sort of flows of expression, aren't they, really? Yeah. So it's, it's the different parts of your brain, kind of your, your logical side of the brain, trying to understand why or something is or isn't happening. And then your creative part feels almost like, this, I'm not sure if this, I'm not scientific, but, you know, it's kind of suppressed a little bit because you're not, you know, you're not allowing that process to kind of just, just be. I was just going to say when you were talking about the motivation and the, the other saying, like particularly in sports, um, that motivation shows up when you do. And I think that's true of anything, really, you know, whether it's like cooking a meal or washing up or doing, doing some housework, you know, it's like you've got to present yourself and you find it's, it's, it comes with you. don't know if that helps. <laughs> yeah, I can really relate to that. Yeah, I mean, I remember somebody saying about, you know, like my recovery and, oh, you know, you need to be motivated. And once you're motivated, then, you know, then that's fine. <laughs> and actually, no, it's not actually because you need more than just motivation. You know, you need so much more than motivation. And I, I think motivation is given like, it's overemphasising a lot of things, isn't it, really? It gets, you know, it gets you to feel like you want to do something, but you're still not doing it, you know. You, and you've got to get to that point, haven't you, if you want to do it. I think passion's got a lot to do with drive and motivation. And I think it's really, really difficult, well, impossible, really, to be passionate about something when you're really anxious about something that is not, like, clear to you. So you might have some kind of underlying anxiety about something and you're not quite sure what it is. You just feel sketchy. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard on top of that, isn't it? Because you can only feel one emotion at a time, really, can't you? And the dominant one's always going to be the most uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really interesting what you said about only feeling one emotion at a time because I kind of challenged that. I think you can feel a lot of emotions and not necessarily know what they are. 
but I think that's one of the reasons that I find music helpful is because I find that it helps with emotional regulation. You know, mm-hmm. if you're in a place, you can't kind of sort out your head. It's sort of at least you're getting something out or you're doing something. Do you find, Valerie, that you, if you're going to listen to music, do you, does it match your emotions? Like, do you choose kind of, you know, if you're feeling sad, would you pick a piece of music that kind of makes, you know, you're kind of in that melancholy sort of phase? Or would you pick something that was almost like the opposite of the mood that you're in? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. I'm not as conscious about it as that. But I do remember when the pandemic first hit and we were in lockdown. I'm a big Marillion fan. And then their music is, it's really complex and it's really emotional, like quite intense, some of it. And I, I, I think I went for about a year without listening to any of theirs because, you know, I think there was just, everything was so charged that I couldn't really, I couldn't really take in anything else. And I think the music that I listened to during the pandemic, I was very much, it was very much sort of, I mean, not obsessive, but maybe, I don't know, maybe i went in sort of short bursts of this band for three weeks that band for three weeks you know and it was a very different like listening experience to to normal i mean i guess i'll choose stuff which i usually i mean i guess i usually choose stuff that reflects my mood or i'll just choose something i like listening to really i think that's just it you know i want to listen to something i won't i don't necessarily analyze it Mm. maybe i'll pay to it and let you know <laughs> okay. I, I remember speaking to a psychologist years ago and he said to me that if you want to feel differently like change your mood change your physiology and you know again going back to exercise a lot of people like will listen to kind of upbeat music won't they if, if they're going to go to the gym or they're going to do a workout they're going to go for a run and you know music certainly can if not so much change your physiology it puts you in a different place doesn't it I think you know if you listen to a string quartet or some opera or maybe Marillion um which I never find easy to say by the way I'm I'm pleased I managed to get that out (laughs) but it it can almost like give you I don't know if it's a connectedness to to your kind of emotions about different periods when you've listened you know to that music but it it can kind of like just give you a bit of a nudge can't it and put you in a in a good place really I was going to say a different space, not it? Just a different space. And I very much find, like, I don't know if you guys read, but I find reading, if I've got, like, the capacity to be able to concentrate, I, f- I find reading the most helpful thing, really, when I'm feeling really, really bad. Because I like that idea of experiencing somebody else's narrative. Do you know, if you can just get, like, the words on a page and think like that person as they've written it or seen they're describing it's very often better than the narrative you've got going on, or at least what I have going on sometimes. So there's lots of different ways, isn't there, to kind of help shift ourselves. But do you ever get, like, recovery envious of people? I, I do. You know? <laughs> I do when I see people doing really well. You know, like we, earlier we were talking about, you know, Valerie and how she's kind of really, you've really blossomed and, you know, you've come to your fore and, you know what you like and you seem so confident and so kind of comfortable in your own skin and you've you've, you've put this down to your own skills you, you know listening to yourself I mean you haven't said oh it's because I've, I've done x y or z I've been given you know some certain tablets yeah I can't help but get a bit envious and think well wow what have you done that I I, I haven't done or I don't know about that I could do you know because and again that's around the inspiration where you can see it's possible to be different because uh, it's evident 
you know, it's, it's, it's clearly evidence in you and evidence of lots of people we see on, isn't it, through Recovery College and some people move on and we, we never see them again, do we? Because they've just outgrown us in some ways. So, yeah, I suppose the point I'm trying to make, um, Valerie, is like, you know, where do you get it from? Do you dig deep or is it just you just grab the cherries that are around you or something? You know, how does that work for you? Yeah, I think it's the grabbing cherry method, probably. That's the. I mean, might be apples, you know. <laughs> it's not formulaic, I guess. And I think, I mean, I think I'll start by saying you don't compare yourself. I mean, I highly suggest that, like, nobody compares themselves, whether they're in recovery or not, to anybody else, or you know, your path to anyone else's. How someone else appears, you know, is how you see them. I'm not taking anything away from anything that Steve said, which was lovely and, yeah, fundamentally true as well, really. I think I got to a point where it was kind of sink or swim for me. And, you know, I, and I didn't have, I didn't really have much support. I didn't really have a clue. Uh, and the clues which I did have, I grabbed, basically. I think changing my, changing my thinking as well. I challenged a lot of fear in my life. I think I'd built up quite a lot over the years in lots of different ways. And to, I started to run into my fears. Once it registered how that felt, once it registered what I got out of that, I think it became not easy, but it became my new natural response. I think they can, you know, when you've got mental health challenges, when you've got history like this, you can get, like we were saying before, you can get into a, a very small space, you know, in your head and, and in your life. And I think I I just kind of started to crack that open. I just started to make it bigger and not even really realising what I was doing at the time, I think, as well. I don't expect there to ever be a point where I go, OK, that's it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm always going to have issues, but, you know, I'm saying that I think there's always potential. There's always a bit of space to go somewhere else, I think. It seems really real and it's it's really inspiring. So, yeah, I just want you to know that. It is inspiring, isn't it? And I think what you were saying around facing your fears, so, you know, acknowledging them and sort of, you know, tackling them head on sort of thing. And that, that it doesn't sound like it's an easy process, actually. I mean, the way you talk about it, you make it sound quite easy, but I, I don't think that is, is it? No. Oh, no, no. I mean, because it's not as easy as I'm scared of this, I'm going to do it and that's over, you know, because we're emotional creatures, aren't we? And you're scared of something, whether your fear is logical or not, there's a reason that you're scared of it. That's the thing, really, that's, that takes the work rather than the tackling the fear. <laughs> you know, it's it's easier to, I don't know, eat a pizza or go for a walk or get on public transport than it is to actually handle the two hours before and after each of those sequences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, the actual um, act in itself like you say it's kind of it's it's how have you got yourself there and it's like you say a process of I don't know in some ways maybe building yourself up for it or preparation and and then almost like kind of decompressing or debriefing yourself after as well or giving yourself space to I mean do do you find that you acknowledge the task that you completed in that sense you know the fear that it was and you like say for example you're used to getting on the bus do you find in that kind of couple of hours after where you sort of I don't know is it like a come down and do you acknowledge that you you achieved something in that sense or is it not like that it's really interesting I think 
I think my, my recovery taught me quite a lot. And one of the things it's taught me is that there's plenty of surprises out there. You know, some of the things that I thought I'd be terrified of, I haven't been. And some of the things I thought I'd find really, e- you know, easier, uh, more scary. So I'm always quite open about or quite sort of open to how I'm going to feel or I might feel like this. I'm, I, I don't really approach it in a kind of strategic way in terms of, right, I'm going to, I'm going to feel like this afterwards. What am I going to do? I just trust that if I feel like this, then there will be something that I can do or I will know what to do. I, I guess I'm more philosophical about it or I've learned to be more philosophical about it. You know, I, I think, and I think maybe that is in part due to the fact that I've had a lot of therapy and none of it has really worked. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, I've had CBT and well, I mean, clearly it didn't work. It might have worked for however many months, but I've never found something therapeutic that's really hit the nail on the head for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the recovery method that I stumbled upon is an unconventional method that isn't even found. I don't think it's even used. It's not used with the NHS. And I think when you find something that works for you, hold on to it and, yeah. you know, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and And also try to be strong in your belief in that thing uh-huh. yeah uh, really wise words aren't they absolutely yeah. wise words. and yeah. i think when valerie used talking about how you first discovered recovery college and you felt like you didn't have a clue <laughs> that was the kind of the, the, what you'd sort of shared that you sort of felt at the time and now you've navigated your own way through your own experiences to get to this point and like I say you're not at the end because recovery is a process and it's an ongoing life is ongoing in that sense but you you like you say you found what's worked for you so it's built you sounds like you're building on that as well and what works for you isn't necessarily what's going to work for somebody else in that exact way but I think we can draw inspiration and hope from your experiences can't we well i do definitely i can't remember the point i was, I was <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it does take me back to my um you know my feelings of recovery enviousness that i see in people but that's one of the the real kind of privileges of like having the job i have you know to, to have that that, that that kind of joy of working closely with people and, and watching them develop and change and progress it's a tremendous privilege and I'm always grateful to it. I've learned to, you know, I don't like saying, oh, I accept myself, because I think that's such a kind of toy phrase and and I, I don't like using it, but I think I feel more comfortable with who I am. And I also feel more comfortable with putting it out there. And I don't know whether that's me, you know, from like all the stuff that I've been through in my life, just got to a point where I'm kind of, well, I'm just not really phased by whatever else happens because, you know, I can handle it kind of thing. Or, you know, but I think if you're okay with who you are and what you're doing, then to some extent it doesn't matter if that is a roller coaster or if that is, you know, still lake or whatever it is it's it's how you feel in your head really isn't it and how you relate to your experiences i guess Mm. so it it might seem like a bit of a bizarre question but it sounds like you have this real ability to kind of join up the dots you know of like your life experience so instead of seeing it in separate chapters you've managed to link each chapter to, to form this weighty novel that is that is you 
It's a real skill. I think it's a real skill to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is one long, you know, waiting on as you, as you put it. <laughs> but at the same time, I see it as almost different lives within a life, but they're all very separate, but they're all very, like, intertwined. You know, I'm here, and had that or that or that or that or that thing not happened, I may not be here. And I think that's that's I think that's something that I try and take when things are hard or when I'm frustrated or or things aren't going the way that I think they should be going is just to try and just to try and be present with whatever is and think well there might you know this might be I mean I'm not religious but you know I I, I try to think well maybe there's just something going on that there's a reason that this is this is happening and you can't control everything can you and sometimes it's it's just counterproductive to try to do that. So I, I think that's one thing that I've that I've really let go of over the last couple of years is my wanting to control stuff. I mean, I don't I don't even want to control all the stuff anymore. You know, it's, kind of, it's so exhausting. It's, it's, it's like at one point it was it was everything, and now it's just oh god, that is just so exhausting. It takes so much time and. <laughs> I, I grew up, my parents were, were very, very, I, I suppose it was based on anxiety, which was never talked about, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s. But I think they were both really anxious about different things for different reasons. But they, they really, like, were desperate to control everything, you know, even the weather. But how liberating for you to say <laughs> you just don't want to control it all anymore because, you know, there's no need. And I really like that idea, and I firmly believe, you know, even though, like, I, I don't have any religious belief either, but I, I do believe that there's a natural intelligence around, you know, that that turns like spring into summer and leaves to grow on the trees and each blade of grass to be individual and all that magical stuff, you know, for the tides to ebb and flow. Um, it's going to be based on some kind of intelligence, but we're all part of that same intelligence, and I forget. You know, thinking like I'm in this battle on my own, and like in a canoe, and I'm going upstream kind of thing. But we're not, you know, we are. If if you allow yourself, we are supported by something good. I find that helps when I can slow things down enough to accept that and to think about it. It's a broad one, isn't it? It is. But isn't that all about recovery as well? It, it ebbs and flows. Some some day, you know, can change hour to hour. Sometimes, you know, when you particularly when you're in going through something perhaps quite challenging, and sometimes it doesn't make sense when you're in it at the time. And it might be as you're, you know, you can reflect on it like as you've been doing today with us, Valerie. And I think, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense, and it, you might it might not make sense ever. But I think, like you said, around that kind of the bigger thing, because when you were talking then, Steve, I was thinking more about kind of that feels quite grounding and quite quick because I, I know we've spoken before about the stars oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you know if you can sit outside and see a clear night and you can see the stars and kind of and for me that's quite powerful it just helps me feel it doesn't take anything else away of what's going on in my life or anything but it's just those those few moments kind of thing and I think that yeah and, and I think if you can find whatever that is like say rather than trying to swim against the tide sort of thing it's just that kind of almost peace and even if it's just fleeting for a, a moment or two yeah. sort of thing then that, that that can help as well yeah yeah well said yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Valerie you know like with your music just going back to your instruments because you, you are quite a skilled very instrumentalist aren't you do you, do you factor into you, you know your daily schedule like what you're going to do when or yeah I think 
I think when I, when I have to rehearse lyrics, when I have to learn lyrics, the more I think about it, the more terrified I am. So I try to do it in a way that I don't I'm, don't even realise I'm doing it. So what I usually do is I'll just play the track on repeat while I'm doing other stuff. And I find that I pick it up. You know, if I stand in front of YouTube and try to go through the song every time, I, I find that it's it's weird. I mean, I don't I don't like being the centre of attention, which is really weird because I'm a singer. But I find that it's not a big conscious thing, then it feels more natural. And in terms, I mean, in terms of playing, like playing guitar, I usually do it in the evening. I think, yeah, I mean, that's my prime time to, to play, I think. I mean, I could do it during the day but on a practical level. That's not always possible, but definitely in the evening. And I think that's for a few reasons, really. I think I feel I like the evening, you know, and I like the night. And when I'm tired, I seem to produce some stuff, which is all right. I don't know whether that's like a... That's, could be a physiological thing I'm just going to get it down I'm just going to record it like right then right there because it's just it's just gone so quickly for me it's, you know and you think oh that's really something and you try and repeat it and it's not quite as <laughs> it's not quite as it was and so I've learned I'm, I'm, I'm learning to do that strategies for rehearsing and writing really but I find the time somehow and it was just a one-to-one and my voice was trembling and that was just a one-to-one so you know yeah I do have a lot of performance anxiety but I think I try to I try to compartmentalize it so I try to I know that that you know if that is there then that's what's going on emotionally but I try to I guess I try to be cool about it even though I don't feel like that yeah because I think well you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feed off that I'm gonna just try and try and be as grounded and as present as I can in this part of me mm. and how it will help you know and then it's remembering stuff as well and projection because I remember when I used to have less I used to play the cornet and when I used to have my cornet exams I used to find it so hard because when you get nervous you know it affects your breathing and and everything is just affected and it's similar with singing it, it really just it can really affect it I mean, I think I think it comes with experience as well. I mean, I'm hoping that it comes with experience that the more you do something, the more you will feel able to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I liked what you said around almost like reframing things. So like you say, it's rather than it, not letting it hold you back kind of thing. So, yes, acknowledging that something can be scary, but not letting that fear hold you back from what you want to do ultimately. It's, it's weird as well. I mean, I don't know if this is a normal thing, but I get quite a, I get quite an adrenaline rush as well from doing things which are go, going through my fears. You know, not in a, I mean, I'm not into bungee jumping. I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, that kind of thing. But just, just the, you know, just the charge that you get off of achieving something or from pushing yourself. And I don't know whether, I don't know whether, I mean, I don't even know whether that's a positive thing, is it? Like changing, you know, ch- chasing adrenaline rushes. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I don't know, it's it's interesting to see that you get some, like a physiological response, I guess, when you achieve something, it's almost like, ah, oh, great, you know, there's a something good's happening and yeah. that's almost, you know, reflecting what you've done, really. Yeah, and like you say, I think in your brain, 
you have those kind of receptors and those responses don't you when something good happens or you've achieved something and that can help us kind of sort of retain those memories because we'll remember those feelings and things but also I think in a again I'm not a scientist but in the sense of kind of like when you do those things again it kind of releases that those kind of nice kind of feelings again as well so I think that can grow your confidence as well can't it I think you know the comparison thing comes in as well you know, especially if you're playing like musical, you're doing something creative and putting it out there to other people. I'm still a bit insecure about my voice. And, people, you know, people have said like vocal tutors and musicians, you know, <laughs> have said to me, well, you know, your voice is your voice. You know, don't compare it. And, you know, repeatedly. And, and I think I I think I'm still I don't know. I still struggle with that a bit. And I'm not quite sure whether that's what, what that is, really. But I'm, I think I'm learning more to just be okay with who I am in different contexts maybe it's just that you know absolutely yeah thank you so much for coming to chat to us today Valerie it's been really and I think we could carry on for a little bit longer I think but I'm aware of the time and things is there any kind of like final kind of things that you want to or do you think you've covered everything that you wanted to talk about today I mean I think we've covered a lot haven't we I'd encourage people to not I think essentially try not to compare themselves with others and just try and work with what you've got in the best way you can without judgment really that's nice yeah Yeah, we're all following our own path aren't we yeah i think that's really lovely and that's a really nice note to end on isn't it it is yeah it's been been a real joy to catch up with you valerie thanks for being so transparent and open and enthusiastic and you know for taking part i really enjoyed seeing you listening to you thanks